I think we can start actually, yeah. Okay. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to our series on the Shabbat. I hope you all had a wonderful Rosh Hashanah and Kippur Sukkot. And thank you for coming back for the last part of this series. So before the summer break, for the Chagim, during August, we went through the basic principles of Sika. In Elchot Shabbat, if you remember, the first three Shurim, we talked about the concepts of uh, of Melechet Machshevet and the fundamental foundations of Elchot Shabbat. And then in the last two Shurim, we went through some important Melechot. We went through uh, Kosher, Zorea, Shohet, Dash, Memareach. And next week, Bezrat Hashem, we're going to finish off the series with another Shurim, another Shur on um, principles of psika to be lenient in various circumstances. So shvut de shvut and all these kinds of uh, applications, you know, when you have two rabbinic prohibitions together, uh, when when can you be lenient and various other principles, which there are in Elchot Shabbat, which can be applied across the board in Elchot Shabbat, which are important to be aware of, and that will please God do next week. But today we want to do one more shiur on a practical halakha, and uh, you know, any series of Elchot Shabbat cannot be complete without Melechet Bishur. Bishur is uh, really something you can spend months learning. Uh, there's so much to it. So, Bezrat Hashem, we're going to go through Bishur, focus on Bishur. If we've got time, we'll move on to the other Melechot as well. Um, and we'll try to cover the important basic principles of uh, Bishur. Okay, as always, feel free to ask any questions as we go through. Um, I presume you've all seen the source sheet or you've all received it at least. So if you haven't got it, I'm going to share the screen. So we start with the Rambam. Rambam in Chot Shabbat, Perek Tetz, is Haofei Kigogelet Hayav, Echad Haofei Etapat, Om Vashelet HaMachal, Ote Samamanim, Om Echamet HaMayim, Hakol Inyan Echad Hu. If you bake bread, or you cook a food, or dyes, or you boil water, you are Hayab, this is one of the 39 Melachot. So, of course, in the Mishkan, um, in fact, the Gemara asks, because the Mishnah calls this Melacha really Ofeh. We call it Mevashel. And that is really the more precise way to define this Melacha, because in the Mishkan, what was Mevashel used for? The main Mevashel in the Mishkan was, uh, in order to make the roof of the Mishkan, they had to dye one of the roofs of the Mishkan. And that dye had to be made, had to be, had to sow the, sow the plant, harvest it, grind it, make it into a paste, knead it into a paste. And then once it was a paste, then they would boil it until it actually became a paste which could color things, a dye which could color things. Um, and that, that was the mevashel. And you may be thinking, what's the difference between mevashel and ofer? I didn't explain that yet. The difference between mevashel and ofer is important. We'll see today why it's important. Mevashel means to cook something with a liquid. Ofer means to bake something without a liquid. And the Rambam here is telling us there's no difference. Whether I bake something or I cook something, it's going to be a melacha from the Torah. But you should be aware that there is this distinction between Bishur and Afiyah, and it's very, uh, it's very important in other uh, aspects, in Ilchot Pesach, for example. And we'll come to it, why, why it can be important. Um, but the Mishnah calls this melacha ofer, baking, even though the melacha in the Mishkan was mevashel, it was the boiling of the dice. And the Gemara asks, why is it called ofer? Um, it should be called mevashel. And the Gemara says, yeah, really, it should be called mevashel, but sidura de pat nakat, which means we just want to use, say, the first five, to, the first 11 melachot, we want to talk about them in the context of baking bread, because that's the most common application of melachot. Uh, of these melachot on Shabbat. But really, the melacha in the Mishkan was mevashel, but the Rambam is telling us there's no difference. It's not like one's an ava, one's a tolada. It's all the same. They're all avot, uh, ofer, baking, mevashel, cooking. These are all uh, melachot of Shabbat, which fall under the melacha of mevashel or ofer. Um, now, People think the Mevashel is limited to food. It's absolutely not. There's a whole halakha in the Rambam, and Mevashel actually applies to many other things. And the principle of Mevashel, which the Rambam says, 
is to harden something or to soften something. To change the fabric of a substance is called mevasheh. So Rambam writes, for example, later on, uh, if you melt a metal until it becomes a coal, that's mevashel. True, you have also violated a mavir, igniting because you made a coal. True, but whilst you get there, when you are melting the substance, that in itself is a melacha of mevashel, and you'll be hayav because of mevashel. If you melt, dissolve wax, uh, tar, all these kinds of substances, it's mevashel. Pottery, mevashel. Because in the process of doing so, you're either softening or hardening the substance. The principle is, whether you softened something hard through fire or you hardened something Soft through fire, you are liable because of Mevashel. Okay, so that's what Mevashel is. So don't think Mevashel, we talk about Mevashel a lot in the context of food, but and no, and the truth is, the reason why we talk less about Mevashel in the context of other things is because normally all the things that are on Bam, which in the second halacha, which he said was Asur because Mevashel, they would also fall under Mav'ir. In order to make a Gahelet, it would be Mav'ir. In order to, you know, you'd need fire. So that's why we don't talk about it so much. But really, we should know that Mevashel is not limited to food. The idea of Mevashel is to soften or to harden through the use of fire. Now, very important, which the Gemara says, is that Bishul has to be done through fire. And the heat of fire also can do bishul, but that heat has to be, as we know, yad soledet bo. It's a famous concept. We want to discuss a bit what this means. Many different uh, uh, poskim give different, many different poskim give many different um, definitions of yad soledet bo. So what does the Gemara say? Amara biyuda mashwen. Ehad shamenu had maim yad soledet bo asur. En yad soledet muta. The amount of the, the, the temperature that the, the water needs to be in order to be mevashel has to be yatsarad bo, which means your hands is scalded. What does that mean? That seems not to be practical enough for the Gemara. Amara hava, kol shel tinok nichvet. If the stomach of a baby would be scalded through this water, then that is considered yatsarad bo. So obviously, no temperature is given, but we begin with Yad Soledet, but your hand is scalded. And the Gemara says, I'm not sure what that means. Explain a bit more what that means. And the Gemara says, okay, it means the stomach of a child, of a baby, if a baby is scalded. Which, if you think about it, is interesting because we've gone from a hand, seemingly a Yad of a regular adult, and the Gemara has defined that as being the stomach of a child. Now, obviously, a child is going to be more sensitive than an adult. So that's important to pay attention to. The Rambam is posek only the second bit. The Rambam does not say He says Yatsuredibon, he says that means he gives the definition of the stomach of the of the child. Now, what does this mean? So the Poskim throughout the generations have grappled what exactly this means. The Benish Chai is a famous Benish Chai, a very difficult Benish Chai. And one of the few places Benish Chai is extremely, extremely lenient. So how does he define Yatsuredibon? He says. You can't do it with your finger. The Gemara rejected Yatsuredi Bo. How do I know? I haven't, most people haven't experimented taking the stomach of a baby and scalding it to know what temperature it is. This is the principle. As long as this food or drink is fitting for a person to eat or drink. A person is not prevented from drinking it due to its heat. Only if you won't be able to eat or drink it because it's too hot, that's Yatsuredetbo. Otherwise, it's not. Now, you think about it. We drink tea and coffee at very high temperatures today, right? You, you know, you, True, sometimes we may blow it, etc., but, you know, you can be looking at 60, 70 degrees um, for the definition of the Benish High, because 
You know, you can, food is not 45, 50 degrees when we eat it hot. It can be even much hotter than that. And the Benish Chai seems to be being quite mekel here um, in this definition of what exactly Atzolet it is. And the Paskim reject this. The vast majority of the Paskim reject this. This is Hacham Ben Tzion, Hawavadia, Epshem Zaman Orbach. And they said it's not much too high. Um, because that's not going to be, the reality is that's not going to be, that's going to be too high. A child, a baby will be scolded far less than that. So they bring an inter- interesting proof from the Gemara in Hulin. The Gemara says, talking about when you do shahita with your knife, why does that knife not become taref? Because you do shahita with the sort of the animal's neck and the blood comes out and it's hot during slaughtering. And therefore that should make the, the blood, which is a sore to eat, to drink, that should make the knife taref. So the Gemara says, Dam It's not yet soledible. True, it's a bit warm and it's a bit hot. The blood of a, of a mammal, when it comes out just of the shahita, it's hot. That's not going to be yet soledible. Now we know that Animal temperature is higher than that of human temperature. Human temperature is 36, 37 degrees. So we're looking at at least 40, 41 degrees, somewhere between that, which is why you have all ranges of measurements between 40 to 45. That's the most common. Hamben Sion takes very strictly, takes 40. Hamvadia takes 45. But again, no one knows for sure, right? We can't, this is all we're estimating. So we're saying, you know, until 45, you're going to be safe. That won't be Yatsoledibo. And that's generally what the Puskim take on, both Ashkenazim and Sfaradim, that until 45 degrees, you are safe. But it's important to note that this is only an estimation. And why is this important? I'll tell you why this is important. Because we know that once something has already been boiled on Shabbat or cooked on Shabbat, under certain circumstances, it's no longer susceptible to Bishul again, right? And Bishul Habishul will mention briefly later on. This is only if something has been fully cooked or fully boiled. So say I boiled water. Say I hold like the Rambam who holds that once a liquid has been boiled, it's allowed to, once a liquid has been boiled, then you're allowed to uh, reboil it. That's what the Rambam holds. The davar lah with the liquid and bishurahar bishur. You boil the temperature to boiling point. It's cooled down now. You can reboil it on Shabbat. Say I boiled this. At 50 degrees before Shabbat, 55 degrees. Would I now be able to use that to the pre boiling before Shabbat in order to boil it on Shabbat again? The answer is no. Because until you've got to where Moshe says 70 to 80 degrees, you can still not know for sure whether it's still Yatsaladid Ba or not. It's a bit, I, you know, 70, 80 is quite high, the truth is. Um, you know, but that's that's what he says. I would, I would suspect it's something a bit less than that. But the point is, is that 45 is an estimation. Because it's an estimation, therefore, you can't just say if something was boiled at 45 degrees before Shabbat, that will be sufficient for the principle of embishul ahabishul. So that's the important point to bear in mind. Simon, in response to a question, no, it's mutar. It's absolutely mutar. Less than the which for all intents and purposes we hold is 45 degrees, then you can do all kinds of uh, bishul on Shabbat. So that's what Yatsoledidbo means. Okay, so as we've explained, it basically means the stomach of a baby being scalded, which for Benish High is quite high, uh, but it doesn't seem to be reality. And therefore, the poskim take a lower temperature, which is about 45 degrees or so. Now, as with many of the Melachot, you have Toledot. And the Toleda of Bishul, the derivative of, of uh, the offspring of Bishul, which is equally haya from the Torah, is even if you don't use fire, but you use something which has been boiled by fire, something which is a clear issue. It's called toledet ha'ur. Something which is toledet ha'ur is also haya because of bishul. So the Rambam says very clearly, So when you uh, cook something in the offspring of a fire, then it's like cooking the fire itself, which means if you have a pot which has been used to boil something in it and it's still boiling hot, putting something next to it will be considered 
um, uh, Hayah from the Torah of Bishul. And that's straightforward, we know that. That's called Torah So don't think it has to be fire itself, also a Torah that can also do Bishul as well. So you put an egg next to a boiling hot pot, that would be Hayav from the Torah because of Torah Dav Mevasheh. Now here we get interesting with Irui Klirishon, the Shittat Rambam with Irui Klirishon. What does Irui Klirishon mean? That means to pour from a Klirishon. So say I have a, an urn, um, and that urn is uh, obviously that's on the fire, it's, it's boiling there. Pouring out from that urn is considered a roi klirishon. You're pouring out from a klirishon. What is the status of that? So we clearly, we've been told in the Gemara that, tolet, that mevashel, uh, the toleda of it is cooking by the fire itself. So that's, that's definitely mevashel. But what about if I take out, if I pour out from where it was on the fire, i.e. the urn, it's the water in the urn is on the fire, I'm pouring out from that. That's considered an iroya pouring out from a kirishon. Is that is it osur or not asur? So this is a big mahokishonim, and the simple reading of the Rambam is that he seems to prohibit this, interestingly. So Rambam says in Perikhabet, but it's very interesting where he remember, whenever we're learning the Rambam, we must always pay attention to where he puts the halachot, because the system of where the Rambam put things is important. So note, where did he talk about Bishul? He talked about it in chapter 9. Where did he talk about the Toledet of Bishul? He talked about chapter 9. Here in chapter 22, he talks about Bishul again. But the whole of chapter 2 is talking about rabbinic prohibitions. So here it says, Meham Okay. You're allowed to pour hot water into cold water. Cold water into hot water. As long as it's not a Kirishon. And the simple reading of this qualification, there shouldn't be in a Kirishon, is that it's going on both cases. Both cold into hot you can't pour in a klirishon on the urn, you can't pour cold water into it, but also on the resha, on the first case, pouring hot water onto cold water is also not in a klirishon, um, it, can't be in a clear, it can't be from a klirishon. That's, the, that's how the Rava Magid reads it, um, and that also the continuation from Rambam, that seems to be how he's understanding as well, that irui klirishon is a sur. However, from the way the Rambam puts it together with the other Surah Rabbanan in chapter 22, it's pretty clear the Rambam holds that this is only a melacha midrabbanan, not midoraita, because midoraita, it's only toledet ha'ur is the fire itself. Toledet ha'ur is a fire itself or the derivative of the actual fire that where it was cooked in. But if it's been moved from that, even though it's a direct stream from there, it's an irui, nonetheless, that's still considered a sur midrabbanan only. And that's what the Prihadash says. In your idea, that it's only Midrabanan. Now, even on Irui Kirishon, many Rishonim Baholek, Rabbeinu Tam, sorry, not Rabbeinu Tam, the Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, the Ramban, the Rashba, all held that Irui Kirishon is absolutely Mutar. Um, Rabbeinu Tam in about four or five places over Shas, because this comes up, of course, in, this is all, this is, everything which we're learning is also very relevant for Kashrut, by the way, don't forget. So, uh, this comes up in the context of Kashrut, it comes in the context of Korbanot, a few places in Shas where this is discussed, and Rabbeinu Tam uh, takes the approach that, to be argued with the Rashbam, that Irui Kriyishon is Asur, and that is how Maran is posek in the Shulchan Aruch, that even pouring out is Asur. Asur litel tavlin bekarav laort alem mikiririshon, you can't put something in a cup and pour onto it. So seemingly that would mean you cannot take um, tea leaves, let's say nana leaves or something like that, put it into a cup, put the cup under the urn and pour directly from the urn onto it. If you were to do so, then according to the Rambam, you'll be no very sudra banan, not the orita. And, um, and it's a mahrog yashalim. Obviously, you won't be hayav, it's only drabbanan, but it's a mahrog yashalim, but we are posek lahmir. And it's important to note that this is a mahrog yashalim, so that in other circumstances where there's Another reason to be lenient, one may do so. So we'll see an example of this in due course. So is everyone still with me? So, yeah, everyone's still with me?
So we've got Bishul, we've got the definition of Yatsuradit, we've explained what the Tolada of Bishul is, we've said Irui Kirishon is subject to a Mahloki Yishonim, and we are Posek that it is a Su. Now we move on to Kishanin. Here we've been, so until now everything we've said there hasn't really been a distinction between Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. Now we move on to Kishanin. So the Gemara is unequivocal. Kishanin and Vashem. Yeah, it's worthwhile seeing this inside because you take a, a regular Ashkenazi and he'll tell you that Kishanin is, is Mevashem. But the Gemara says very clearly, Amari Tzhakbar Abdimi, Pamahad Nikhnasti Rabbi Lebet Amirhats. I was going on Shabbat to the Bet Amrihat, the bathhouse, after Rabbi Odanasi. I wanted to give him a warm a flask of oil. And he told me, take a klisheni, which means once you've transferred it from where the water was on the fire, so think of an urn, an urn is the klirishon, or a pot with water inside, that's a klirishon. You then transfer it into another kli, that kli is called klisheni. Once you put it into a klisheni, then put the oil into it. Don't put the oil into the klirishon, even if the fire is off. Nonetheless, it's, you put it in the klisheni. Shemam Tata, I learned from this three things. Shemam Hashem Yishu Hashem Bishul, that Hashem oil is susceptible to Bishul. Shemam Hashem klisheni alom vashel. Shemam Hashem Yishu Bishul. And we also learn that warming something up, even if it doesn't reach the highest temperature, but nonetheless, warming it to Yatzel will be considered Bishul. In the clearly show. So clearly the Gemara says, Klisheni eno mevasheh. What's the logic for this? It's difficult. It is difficult because the reality is, is the Klisheni can be extremely hot. It can be 80 degrees. You know, you pour out from the urn into a cup. That's already a Klisheni. And that is far, even the most lenient temperature of Yatsuredetbo, in the interstrip, whichever you want to take it, uh, it's still going to be higher than that. Tosfot says, he asks Tema, it's astonishing, what's the difference? Um, and he says, Yeshlomar, very, yeah, scientifically, it's difficult, this. Yeshlomar, lefishi klirishon mutoch she'amada la'ur dofnotav hamin. Because the pot is on the fire, the klirishon, the actual pot's on the fire, therefore the walls of the pot also become hot. So therefore, even though the fire's off now, but the actual kli with the walls of it are hot and they will, they have the ability to, to cook something. He says, a klisheni, true, it can still be extremely hot, but because it it's not doesn't have the walls also adding to the heat, it will quickly cool down and therefore won't have the, the potency to proper, properly do bishul. Um, now, that's interesting. Um, and obviously, you know, the atoms do move around more once you've transferred them to another Kli, that's true, but not to the extent that it can't do Bishul. But that's what Tosfos understands. He understands that it's the walls which make the make the difference here. Um, you could also say very simply is that the Torah's definition of, of Mivashel, when we talk about Mivashel, what we mean is, is what happened in the Mishkan. And when it's a klirishon, that's a direct derivative. It's, it's on the fire itself. So that's still part, that's still a direct toledaf, the av, which happened in the Mishkan. Klisheni, even if scientifically, it's still extremely hot. But that's that, it's beyond the geder of the melacha. That's beyond the framework of the melacha. Remember, melachot of Shabbat are very, are very, have to have a framework, yeah? It's it's how what happened in the Mishkan, and even if something may still be atzeredible, but a klisheni, no one ever boiled or cooked in a klisheni. That's not the way things happened in the Mishkan. Therefore, that falls outside the framework of what melechet mevashel means. Yeah, the truth is, the other rishonim are very quiet on this. They don't really explain. It's just accepted that klisheni on mevashel. Just klisheni doesn't. That's not part of bishul. But Tosfot is giving a a scientific explanation, um, which the, the walls make all the difference. So everything is mutan klisheni? Yes, for us faradim basically. Everything is mutan klisheni. Once you have transferred something off the pot in which it was cooked, then it all becomes mutar. So why do people think that klisheni is a problem? 
It's all based on a Tosfot. It's based on one answer in a Tosfot. So the Mishnah says, quite clearly, so it's a, let's pay attention to this Mishnah, because you'll see how, uh, how Tosfot understands it. Kol sheba bechamim be'erev Shabbat, shonenuto bechamim be'Shabbat. And by the way, just to add to what I was saying before, the fact that Iruy Kirishon, according to the Rabban, at least is the Rabbanan, right, that again shows you how Iruy Kirishon also can be extremely hot. Nonetheless, it's not Midoratic. Again, it's, it's not the framework of Mevashel. Mevashel is on the Kirishon, how it happened in the Mishkan. When it's Iruy, then it's no longer part of that. Anyway, so the Mishnah says, Kol Sheba, yes, yeah, that's true as well. That's true as well. But then that, Jack, I, Jack's written in the chat box, it could be, simply be that the official Bishul interpretation was the Klesab HaChamim in Talmudic times, the science of their day. That's true. But then you enter the whole, this is a whole, it's not the place for it now. There's the whole Mahloket with regards to when science today is different. And it's, this is an example where you're going to be Mumahmir, correct? You want to use science today to be Mumahmir. So this is this classically the, the debate around the, around Kinim, whether you're allowed to kill Kinim on Shabbat. So Shohan Aruch tells us very clearly, you're allowed to kill Kinim, lice, even though Shachet, we learned last Shi'ur, it's one of the Melachot. But you're allowed to kill lice because the Gemara says, um, they don't multiply. Now, today we know very well, if you look carefully under the microphone, they do multiply. And this is the question. So Pahad Yitzhak, I'm prompt exactly what you said. He says, exactly what you said, Jack. He says, true, it's changed today. But that was then, uh, and that was decided then, and therefore we stick with that, even though today we know it's Pareh uh, Um I don't remember all the names now, but there are, there are many, I think, you know, there are many Ashkenazi poskim who say that today you have to be Mahmir. So they take, okay, you, they're taking it like right? They're saying that today things have changed. They are, in this they are, are agreeing with the science. Um, and on this, you know, to be Mahmir. So I'm just saying, this is a, this is a whole other Mahlaki. Do we say if something was established based on science, of the time it's fixed, set in stone? And that's a different discussion. So, so yeah, so Nadav, good point. So everything is coming back to Kishani. Um, so we've said that, uh, yeah, we said Kishani on Vashel. So where does it come from that people think that Kishani on Vashel? It comes from a Tosfot. So Mishnah says, Kor Shabbat, Shabbat. If it's been cooked before Shabbat, you can reheat it on Shabbat. Shabbat. If it wasn't cooked before Shabbat, look at this next line. You can rinse it. Rinsing means you pour off. So, Mishnah is saying, if it was heated before Shabbat, reheat it. Wasn't heated before Shabbat, you can rinse, rinse it off. What does rinsing off mean? Irui. Correct? It clearly says that. It says, you didn't cook it for Shabbat, what does the English say? It says, you may rinse it in hot water. That means, when you rinse, always means is to pour off. So, Tosfat asks the question. I understand, according to the opinions which hold, Irui Klirishon is mutar, what we said earlier on, then great, this Mishnah makes perfect sense. But according to my opinion, where I hold, the Irui Klirishon is Asur, then how are we going to explain this Mishnah? It says clearly Medihinoto. So what are you going to tell me? We're going to have to say that when it says Medihin, that means from a Klishani, not from a Klishon. We're going to have to say that. Okay. So, yeah, everyone's still with me. So Medihin must mean from a According to the Rishonim, who hold Eruit Klishon is Asur, Medihin must be from a Klishani. Then says Tosfot, but then I'm still stuck. Because if Medichin is from a Klishani, why talk about pouring off from a Klishani? We learn in the Gemara we just saw on Shabbat that Klishani, Enom of Hashem, even to put in it. Why talk about pouring off from a Klishani, which we know pouring off is always less than the actual Kli itself. So if you're telling me that Medichin or Tor, the, the pouring off, is talking about from a Klishan, why talk about pouring off? Talk about actually putting it in the Klishan, because you get me? So that's what Tosfot says. The Perush Rashbadem Ben Farish Dar Eruti Sheni Atishapir. Fine. Hachadin Sheni Tobi Kishon. Aval. Aval Perush Benutam. 
ומפרש דהירויד אבק לקרי ראשון, על כל חכם מדיחין אותו מכלי שני כמר, ובמשנה says you rinse and must be from מכלי שני, ואם כן מה עיר המדיחין אפילו שאינה מי, ואיפה תוספות, why talk about מדיחין, is everyone still with me? So what we're saying here is, תוספות says, במשנה says you can pour from a כלי ראשון. Now according to ראשונים, my opinion רבינו תם says תוספות that עירוי כלי ראשון is אסור, and I have a problem, what does it mean? I can pour from a כלי ראשון. תוספות gives two answers. Yonah, I'll come to you in a moment. Let me just finish. Tosfot gives two answers. The first answer Tosfot says, as he says, no. When the Gemara said, that was only Midoraita. Midrabanan, Klisheni is Mibashel. Why? You said Klisheni is Mibashel. Because Mehazek in Bashel. So this is Tosfot's Tzvara, that he's forced into it because of um, because of uh, Sir Robert, it's a machloket in Tosfot. Some places he says Doraita, some places Drabanan. It's not clear. As I said, there's four or five Tosfot about it. It's hard to say exactly. There's many proofs forwards and backwards whether it's Doraita or Drabanan. It's definitely a sore. It's not clear whether it's Doraita or Drabanan according to Tosfot. In any case, Tosfot says it's a mechazek in Bashel. It looks like a mevashel. So that's why the Mishnah talks about pouring off a meklishen. Because even to put in a klisheni is a sur midrabbanan because it looks like you're cooking. That's Tosfot's first answer. Tosfot's second answer is, and it's important to pay attention, there are two answers here. The second answer is no. It's not true that klisheni cook. Klisheni doesn't cook at all, like the Gemara says. There's no mehzik in Bashe. So you see Tosfot himself wasn't sure whether this is mehzik. It's another answer. So it's not 100% certain there is a mehzik in Bashe. So he says in the second answer, he says, there's no mehzik in Bashel. Why talk about rinsing from a klisheni? You can even put in a klisheni. It's not true. You can even put in a klisheni. And the reason why it talks about pouring off from a klisheni is to teach you that the, 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 some things, very few things, which are extremely sensitive, like herring, those things, like we'll see, the, the, a few fish. We'll, we'll talk about it in a moment. Um, sorry for the example. We'll see the... That's the common application of herring in the, of these um, examples in the Mishnah, which we'll see in a moment. The reason it says pouring off is to teach you that the very sensitive things which you're not allowed to put in a klisheni, you also can't, can't pour onto. So these are the two answers of Tosafot. I'll read it inside quickly. The first answer he says is Afilub klisheni enshorin. Where's it gone? These are certain fish which have been um, uh, put away for a long time. They're very salty um, and they are very easy to be cooked on Shabbat. So they, even in a klisheni, they are susceptible to be sure. So in short, Tosfot gives us two answers. According to the first answer, it comes out, the klisheni is mevashel, but only midrabanan. It's not mevashel, but it looks like mevashel. Mehzik mevashel, therefore hachamim forbade it. According to the second answer, no, klisheni doesn't cook, as the Gemara says, not midrabanan, not midrabanan. And the Mishnah is talking about uh, uh, rinsing, pouring off, but also putting in his mutana klisheni. And there's a reason why it talks about a klisheni, rinsing off. So now the Mishnah Brura, he is posek according to Tosfot's first answer. And here Hamadia, I think, you know, he, he comes along and he says, look, Hamadia says, here you have a sfek sfeka. Not just a sfek sfeka, but a sfek with a drabanan at worst. Firstly, according to Rishonim who hold, Irui Kli Rishon is mutar. No one's going to argue that, that the Klishen is a so. Yeah, obviously, you know. There's a level, there's Toledota Ur, you have Iru Klishon, and you have Klisheni. So, according to the Rashbam, according to the Rashba and the Ramban, who held, and by the way, the Rashba is different to the Rashbatos fourth quoted, the two different Rashba. Yeah? So, according to the Rashba, Aderet, the, the famous Rashba, who holds that it's Klisheni, uh, Iru Klishon is Mutal, and definitely it's Klisheni in Ombasha, even with the Rabbana. 
I, we are posek, like Shohan Aruch says, that Iroki shows a sur, fine. But then it's a hogishonim. But here you have another mahloket, another safek in Tosfot, where the klishani is mahzik and mashir or not. Therefore, this is a sfek sfeka, this is a double doubt. And we're talking about a doubt in a drabbanan. Because according to Tosfot, even according to the first answer to Tosfot, it's a drabbanan of mehezek and bashen. Therefore, says Hamavadia, no need to worry. Everything is allowed in a klisheni. Only the things specifically mentioned in the Mishnah, like kulias ispanin, this fish which was uh, which was um, uh, for a year, it was uh, salted. Uh, these kinds of things, perhaps you could argue something like like herring today, maybe, right? Um, apart from that, everything is mutar in a klisheni, and that's important for us to be aware of. As faradim, basically nothing. Even nana leaves, Hamvadia says, me karadi, nana leaves. Yeah? Nana leaves, right? Which are seemingly you could argue are quite mint, mint leaves. You could argue are quite uh, sensitive. He does say tov lahmir with mint leaves, but only specifically that, because maybe you want to compare that to kulias ispanin, to this special fish. Um, but otherwise, everything else is not considered uh, bishul. And therefore, really, for us, you can pour from the urn. You can pour from the urn into the um, cup, and then in the cup you put your mint leaves, you put your tea bag, you put your coffee. To put the tea bag or the nana leaves inside the cup and then to pour from the urn, that wouldn't be correct because that would be a ruikli But once you poured it into a klisheni, into a cup, then it's no longer part of bishul and it's mutar to do. Even if you want to be mahmir with mint leaves, which I can hear, the tea bags, though, that you've got the bag around the material. So that's a further reason why, even with a tea bag, is far more reason. That's not going to be kaleha bishul, right? Seemingly. And therefore, that's the reason why one would be allowed to be mekel. Um, and would be allowed to be mekel um, uh, with uh, tea bags to put in a klisheni. Of course, Ashkenazim should follow the Mishnah Brura. Mishnah Brura was not, and that's why Ashkenazim use a klishlishi, where they pour into one cup and into another cup, um, or they, or even more than that, they some even prepare the essence from before Shabbat. Some help even klishlishi is a problem if it's boiling hot. Uh, yeah. So, but for all of for us, all of this uh, is is mutar and a klisheni is mutar. And, you know, perhaps to be mahmir with something like mint leaves, which are so, you know, very, very sensitive. Otherwise, all other things are not subject to be sure. Um, and by the way, I'm, I wasn't going to go into this, but I'm going to mention this quickly, is that the same applies with solids, all kinds of solids. You may have heard of the principle of the vargush, so something which, so let me explain. Let's say you have um, a potato. I'll answer all the questions in a moment. Uh, what, um, let's say you have a potato, which you've taken off, the fire, taken off the pot, which was on, actually on the hot plate. So it's coming from a kirisho, you put it on your plate. That seemingly is a klisheni. And therefore, you should be able to put everything on it. Spices, it's a klisheni. The Maharshal, as far as I remember, he's the first one, Shomaluria, first of about 500 years to, to, to bring this idea. He wants to say that we only distinguish kirishon and klisheni with liquids. Basing himself on the Svaraf Tosfot, by the way. That Tosfot talks about how when you move one, uh, something from one pot to another pot, one cup to another cup, then the, the atoms move. That's in liquids, not in solids. In solids, the atoms don't move so much, which is why it retains heat quicker. Uh, it retains heat for longer. So therefore, he wants to say that moving it from Kirishon to Kishani with solids doesn't make a difference. If it's Yatsare, the boy And that's why most Ashkenazim, who Mahmir, like the Marsha and the Shabura, hold, that let's say you uh, took uh, some uh, potatoes or kugel or something like that, or anything, a piece of meat, you've taken it off the hot plate, you put it onto your plate, as long as it's still yatsoleded bar, you can't put anything on it. You can't put spices on it. Right? You can't put next to it salad because that salad will be cooked by the meat. Ayatakishini, kishini of vashel. Okay, davargush. So that's. Um, that's an interesting point to be aware of, but we don't hold of that either. So for us, Faradim, both solids and liquids, 
apart from, as I said, maybe herring, maybe mint leaves, something like that, which is very salt and very, uh, something like that uh, will be, uh, be sure. Otherwise, um, otherwise everything else is mutar. Any questions on that till now? Does Tosafot, okay, I answered your question, Robert. Is it definitely that Shalom says Iruki shows a sur meaning Doraita? What do you mean, uh, Jack? Do you mean, does Maran hold its Drabanan or Doraita? Is that your question? Yeah, well, the answer to that question is you can't know because Shalom is not made dek like the Rambam is with regards to Hayabu Asur. He does say Asur, so you know you could say that's Drabanan, but it could also be Doraita. He talks many times about Asur. And he says it's talking about Doraita. So we don't know what Maran holds with the Rabbanu Doraita. What's the Nafkamina? You just ask. And there's no, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Okay, so it, we can't, we can't know for sure what Maran holds with regards to Irui. Then that should include tea bags which have been dried and are not high. Uh, not high. Well, if. Sorry, Nadab. Yeah, even without that, even with leaving aside that they may have gone through a process in advance, leaving that all aside, in a cliche, it's no longer with a tea bag, then there won't be sure. What about pouring directly from Kirishon onto coffee or sugar as those things are already cooked? So those things are mutar. That's Daniel, those things are mutar, and I'll mention it briefly then, but I'll tell you quickly now. It's mutar if you don't hold there's a problem of bishul ahar afiyah. Let me, let me, um, Daniel, let me come back to your question, which I'm, I'm going to get to, please God, by, by the end of the shiur. Because it depends on Bishullah Harafiyah, Bishullah Hatsilian, and um, I'm going to answer these two questions quickly. Are two, tea eggs any different than a tea bag? Tea eggs. I don't know what tea eggs are. I don't know what tea eggs are. Um, tea egg is like a it's like a metal contraption. It's like a little metal mesh ball that you put the tea leaves into, then you put it into the kettle or the, the pot. Okay. So you you put that into the water, and then you put that into the cup. Yeah, you, you would you would you would put it into the teapot. You would put the you would put that. It would act as a tea bag. So instead of throwing away a tea bag every time, you just put the leaves directly into this little metal uh, pocket. I guess you could call it. You put that into the pot, and then you'd pour the water in, or you could, or, or or and then yeah. But you may have like an that. issue. You may have an issue of borer then. Okay. Because that's going to be filtering the clay of the teapot's going to be filtering the leaves. It depends how many leaves there are. If they're if they're mixed or not, that's not so strict. From from Bishul, you're right. But Mitzad uh, uh, Bore, you may have a problem there. All right, um, thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll answer the question more at the end. I just I got a lot to get through. Rob, if you don't mind, I'll answer the question uh, at the end. Okay, at the end, just because I want to get through the rest. Um, so, review. Do we want to review? Okay, you want to review, Jack? Okay, let's do a quick review. Yeah, just quick. Okay, what is or isn't allowed for Kli 1 to Iroi? Kli 1, basically everything isn't allowed. Um, there's salt, there's uh, Maran holds salt in Kli Rishon is Mutar, but basically everything else is a sur in Kli Rishon. Um, Kli Sheni, you mean for Sfaradim, Kli Sheni? So, one second. Uh, Iroi from Kli Rishon for us, uh, for Sfaradim and Ashkenazim, is a sur. Klisheni, Fosfaradim, everything is mutar apart from extremely sensitive things, such as the things listed in the Mishnah, um, which is something extremely salty and sensitive, herring or maybe mint leaf, something like that. Uh, otherwise, everything else is Fosfaradim, is not susceptible to be sure. Once it's in a Klisheni, Fashkanazim, it is Midrabanan at least. Okay, does that answer? Very good. Okay. Let's, um, Daniel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now address you. Yeah, one point I'll quickly say about tea bags, you should be aware, which I've seen people do, and I think they should be cautious about this. So I said you can put water into a cup, Kishani, and put the tea bag in. Great. I want to take my tea bag out. Can I take the tea bag out? So seemingly, it would be Borer. Because when you take the tea bag out, what's happening is the the bag of the of the tea is acting as a filter between the tea leaves inside and the water coming dripping out of the tea bag. 
So that would be Borer Bikli, which is a sword from the Torah. However, that's not correct. Because when you are taking it out, you are just taking it out. That's your intention to take it out. So in a totally different context, but talking about Borer, it says that the straw, you're allowed to put straw in a trough. You're allowed to transport in like the sieve, uh, straw to the trough for the animals to eat. Even though as you put the straw in this container, the sieve, to take to the trough for the animals to eat from, whilst doing so, the pesolet, the unneeded part of the straw will fall apart, will fall out, I mean, through the sieve. It's mutar, enom chaven. What do you mean enom chaven? What's the obvious question? When we learned in Shior 1. So often, inevitable. Sorry, it's, it's inevitable. It's psikreshe. It's borer. I'm transporting the straw to the animals in a sieve. And true, I've got no intention for the moth. I don't care about the moths or not because it's for the animals to eat. I don't really care, right? But at the end of the day, it's, ca- it's causing a separation. So it should be psikreshe. Who can answer it based on what we learned in the first year? Lani <laughs> But it's Doraita. Is it grammar? Doraita. It's not grammar. Why is it grammar? It's absolutely not grammar. You're putting it in, it's falling straight out. It's based on the Rava Magid, I said in the first shiur, that some things are so outside the framework of the Melacha that it does not even consider the Psikreshe. If you recall, I talked about that in the context of uh, walking. Did I, talk... I, I, did I talk about this track in the shiur or was that a private discussion? About what? About walking past the lights on Shabbat on a Friday night? I'm not sure. I think it was afterwards. So there, there are some things which are so beyond the framework of the Melachah that they're not even a Psikreshe anymore. So for example, um, the Poskim writes that you're allowed to walk, let's say Friday night, you're walking down the street and you don't really care that the, by walking past your neighbor's house, his light comes on. Because the lampposts are on. It makes a difference to you. But you know, do I have to cross the road? So I'm not going to end up uh, uh, causing the sensor to cause the light to come on. The Muslims say you don't need to. Why not? It's psikreshe. I know. And I know every, each Friday night I walk past this house. I know the light goes on. I'm not doing it because I want the light to go on. That's a soul. I'm doing. I, I just want to walk down the street and I don't really care if this light goes on or not. That's mutar. I, it's inevitable. It's psikreshe. True. But it's still not a melacha that. Because this falls outside the framework of melacha. Mav'ir, switching something on, means you ignite something. Or inevitably, the classical example of psikreshe is I cut the head of the chicken to play with it. So then I'm doing an act of slaughtering. True, I'm doing it to play ball. But that's a psikreshe inevitably you're going to kill. I don't have intention to kill. That's inevitable. I am uh, pour- pouring water on the grass. That's psikreshe. I am doing it to wash my hands when it's dying. True. But this action of pouring is an action of Zorea. Whereas when I do something which is so far removed, such as walking down the street, that action, even though it's inevitable that the, that the center will go on and cause the light to go on, that's not within the framework of Mavir and therefore that's Mutar. There are some secret. Do you see the difference between these two types of psikreshes? One psikreshe is the actual Melachai itself you're doing, but you're not doing it, you don't really care about the consequence. I'm pouring water on the grass to wash my hands. But you're, pour, you're doing an action of pouring water. You're doing an action of slaughtering. As opposed to, I'm doing an action of walking. And that, that you don't say psikreshe about when I'm walking. So seemingly as well, this has, you have to think about this a bit more, how this also, when you're doing borer, and you have no intention for the borer, that's mutar, that's clear in Shohana Ruch, and that's accepted. And therefore, with tea bags as well, when I'm taking out the tea bag, despite the fact that the bag is used as a filter between the bag and the water, nonetheless, even though it's psikreshe, it's mutar. What's wrong, and this I do see, and this you should be cautious of, is people who take the tea bag out and then leave it on top for the, for the liquid to drip out. That, I would say, would be problematic. Because that, you could argue, is a, you're using the tea bag as a bar. Otherwise, just to take it out, no problem at all. Okay, now... To answer, answer your question, Daniel, let's go on to the next aspect of this. Um, okay, I'm not going to go into uh, 
Bishul Achar Bishul with liquids or not. It's famous, it's well known that, you know, we know that the Rambam holds that you're allowed to reheat, a, you're allowed to reboil a liquid. Once a liquid, and that's, the Mishnah doesn't differentiate. So to Mahogit Rishonim, everyone agrees a solid which has been heated before, cooked before Shabbat can be reheated, which is why we put all our food on the hot plate on Shabbat. And everyone, and we, and uh, with liquids, however, it's Mahogit Rishonim. Maran is posek lahmir, that like the rosh. You're not allowed to do bishul achar bishul with a solid, with a liquid, excuse me. Um, and the rama is lenient. Meikar hadin, he holds it should still be Ashkenazim or much more lenient. They hold as long as it's still lukewarm, you're allowed to reboil. So for Faradim, if it's no longer uh, boiling hot, then it's subject to bishul again. That we know. But a quick, few quick points which you should know about that is that, this is an important principle throughout Melechet Shabbat, and this is, comes under Amira Lakum. Whenever there's something which is Shanui B'Mahlokit Rishonim, even if we are Posek Lahmir, you can ask a Goy. Meaning, and this is the Hida says, by the way, Hida says it's in Shurei Bracha, in uh, three, beginning of 318. Since it's a Mahlokit Rishonim, whether or not Lach is subject to re-bishul or not. True, we are mahmir, against the Rambam. We have to follow the Shohan al But you can ask the Goy directly and explicitly to reboil it. I, it's Amira la'akum with an Isur do'araita, kun t'bishonim muhod, yesh bishul har bishul belad. True. But Amira la'akum is Rabbanan, and on that you can rely on the Rishonim muhod, it's mutar. You understand? So because it's a Mahlokit Rishonim, you can ask a guy to do it explicitly. There's no guy around. What can you do? You can't reboil it. So you know what Hamad says is very simple. You can put it on the hot plate before the hot plate goes on. Aye, we learned. So that would what would that be? Would that be a melech? If I was to take raw food and put it on the hot plate before the hot plate came on, that wouldn't be hayav. That would be gerama. Correct? Because I put it on the on the fire. Before it came on. Now, if you remember, if you tr- remember back to uh, the second shiur which we had when we talked about gerama, we explained the gerama we hold is a surah khatahila. But whenever there's any anything to add to it, we are mekel. Mitzvah, hefsed, or any, anything, we are mekel. And here, Hamadia, based on this, he wants, and also the fact, he wants to say that it's mutar to put the food, the liquid, on the hot plate before it before it um, before it comes on, okay. So therefore, you have two ways out. Although we are mahmir against the Rambanda bishur har bishur is asur, nonetheless, you still have the possibility of either asking a guy explicitly, or you could also um, do it by putting it on before the timer comes on. Okay, fine. Those are the main things. That. Now, I just want to finish off with bishur harafiyah and dafia har bishur. This is an important point again. And again, another principle in how to learn Shohan Aruch. So, En Bishul Achar Bishul. A solid's being cooked, you can reheat it. Does it make a difference how the food was cooked or baked or roasted? Seemingly not. The Gemara doesn't differentiate. However, the Yere'im, Rabbi Eliezer of Mitz, in the 12th century, he was the first one to be Mahadesh this. And he said, look, that it's a problem to bake something after it's been cooked or cook something after it's been baked. If you remember, we said that um, there's a difference. Bishul means with liquid and afiyah means without liquid. So he says, look, if I baked something, chalot, I take my pot of soup off onto the table. It's a kirishon. See, steaming hot. Yad says, well, I can't put anything in that. He says, you can't put your chalai in. Aye, the chalai's already been fully baked. Yeah, but in, you're putting the chalai, which is baked, into the liquid, which is boiled. It's a problem. Where does he get this from? The ground doesn't differentiate. So he learns this out from, from Hilchot Pesach. Because... The Gemara in Pesachim tells us that matzot have to be baked. And 
if you baked matzot and then you put them in water, you cook them. So I baked them like we do before Pesach and then uh, I, uh, I boiled them. That, you know, you'll say the mitzvah of matzah with. Why? Because the Torah says it has to be matzot. And matzot means it's baked. And therefore, because you've done bishul to it, you've taken away the baked aspect of it. Says the Yere'im, Rebezer of Meitz, that you see from this that the, the secondary bishul which you do to the matzot have the effect to add another layer, another dimension to it and take away the fact it was baked. It's adding another dimension to it. Therefore, even if something has been baked before Shabbat, but if you now go and cook it, that has another dimension to it and therefore it's a sur. Vice versa as well. He brings another proof from another Gemara Pesachim. Gemara Pesachim says, if you roast it, you have to roast the Korban Pesach, right? Tzvi'esh, Torah says. And the Torah also says clearly, You're not allowed to boil the Korban Pesach. It has to be roasted. Mitzvah say to roast it. Mitzvah Lota say not to boil it. Say I roasted the Korban Pesach. And then afterwards you cooked it, you, put, you in, boiled it in water. Hayav. You've still violated the prohibition. Even though I roasted it initially. Yeah? So you see, he says, that the extra bishul has the ability. Anyway, the Beit Yosef uh, is clearly um, disagrees with this. Well, well, he, he rejects these two proofs. Um, uh, the first proof is because you need ta'am matzah. Nothing to do with the fact that the bishul changes that You need to taste matzah and matzah has to be baked. Second one is because it says Bashem Vushadamaim. The Torah stresses Bashem Vushad has to be um has to be roasted and not Bashem Vushad, any kind of boiling. That's why. But otherwise we hold um other Rishonim who weren't Mahalek hold that there's no difference between Afiya, Akhar Bishur, Bishur Akharfiya. What's the halakha with this? So have a look at the Shahana Ruch and look have a look at the comment of the Rama. You see something very, very interesting. And again it tells you. How to interpret Shanoch and the Ramah. So Shanoch writes, Yesh Misha Omer, someone says, the Davar Someone says, if you baked or roasted something and then you cooked it in a liquid, it's subject to Bishul. You can't even put bread in a Klisheni. Vyesh material and some allow it. Now, how do you understand Vyesh material? Don't look any further, please. How do you understand Yesh material? What's the simple way of reading that? Some allow it completely, right? It's clear from the Beit Yosef that's what he meant. He's bringing the opinion which holds that some forbid it, even in a klisheni. Some allow it completely. Says the Ramah, no. Meaning the Ramah writes these words klisheni as if it's an interpretation of the Shohan Aruch. When he wrote Yishmatin, he meant klisheni. And that is the derech, that's the Ramah often does that, by the way. He will add words to the Shohan Aruch, in which, after his words, you now have a new reading of the Shohan Aruch, although the Shohan Aruch didn't mean that. Do we get that? This is a really important point to be aware of. It happens quite a lot. The Ramah may add words to the Shohan Aruch, in which he's giving his understanding of the Aracha, and through his words, then you have a new reading of the Shohan Aruch, but it's not what Rabbi Yosef Karo himself meant. And this is a classical example. Yesh Matirin, he seemingly meant some allow it completely. And the Ramah says, uh, and uh, yeah. So, in any case, is Posek, Benish Hai, and Kavahayim or Mahmir, Yesh Bishur Akharfiya, Yesh Akharfiya. So, even though something is baked or cooked, you cannot do it the other way around. I'm going to end with this. Um, but Hamadia uh, is, is, allows it based on the fact that Maran writes, Yesh Matirin, Rashon Rabim. He brings. He brings the first piece, Yesh Misha Omer, some say, and then he says Yesh Matirin um, in, in the, uh, as the main opinion. And therefore, Hambadia is posek that you're allowed to do both ways round. Therefore, answering your question, Daniel, uh, when you asked about coffee, the answer is yes, because they've already been um, they've already been processed, you know, roasted, whatever it may be. Uh, if you are Mahmir, like the Benishchai and the Kafahayim, that you don't do uh, bishul after tzliya or after kliya, the, the parching of the grains, right? Um, then you wouldn't be allowed to put the the grains into the 
well, Nescafe is different, but let's say Turkish coffee, something like that, wouldn't be allowed to put that into the cup and pour it directly on if you were Hoshesh for Bishura Harafia, etc. Otherwise, if you're not Hoshesh for it, it's already been processed, you would be allowed to, um, uh, to finish it off. Okay, it's quite a lot of material um, we've been through. And, uh, and yeah, I hope that, yeah, those are the main principles, those are really the main principles of Bishur. We've seen the Mahrot Piyot, we've shown in with it. So, I'll stay around to answer any questions. Um, quick question for next week. Do we prefer, quick vote, do we prefer next week Borer and Tohen or do we prefer principles of when to be lenient on Shabbat? Shvut, Shvut and all that kind of stuff. Uh, any idea? Number, who wants number one? Who wants Borer Tohen? If you have, if you have, you have, you have a preference, then fine. If you have a preference, just put it in the chat box or you prefer number two. Principles. Okay. Two principles. Fine. Okay. Okay. I'll stay around for questions. But everyone else who's going now, Erev Tov, good evening. And thank you for coming. And Bezat Hashem, see you next next week. Okay. So let's go back to the questions. So Daniel, I hope that's answered your question now. Um, Rob, share. For Nashkenazi, then if one, is Rob still with us? Oh, there he is. Okay, Rob, yes. For Ashkenazi, then, if one takes meat off the hot plate and wants to put it on a plate with other cold items, they need to put it into another dish first and then take it on the nation. Correct. Correct. That's exactly correct. Or you put it on the plate and you wait till it cools down before putting stuff on it. Please can you review? Fine. But you don't want the drops from the tea bag. Doesn't your cover come to pay with regard to Borel? In a case where you are taking out the tea bag and the drops are falling out and you're intentionally doing it, what do you mean? You're intentionally doing that. You could argue just doing it so that it doesn't, um, you're right, you're doing it so that it doesn't uh, make a mess when you put it in the bin. So, okay, even if that's true, I'll be psikreshedroni be sudoraita. Still in sudoraita. So the fact you don't care about it will be psikreshedroni hale and therefore will still be a problem. Yeah, okay. Fine. Good. Any other questions? Anyone want to unmute? Yona, sorry. Thank you. Um, I have two, two questions, if it's okay. Um, the first question is how to understand the intention of the Rama when he uh, fills in the blanks for the Mechaber. Is, is it commonly understood that he uh, meant this as a sort of correction or to say, um, I would agree with the following amendment? Is, in other words, is he asserting anything about the attention of Moran? I don't think so. I, I don't believe so. Um, because I've seen I've seen examples where clearly Moran didn't mean something, and the way the Rama follows on, it has it takes on a whole new meaning. And so clearly he was using that as a springboard for his own. So I don't think when he wrote that he was coming to interpret the Shuhana Roh Kishani. I think he's saying that I'm telling you the opinions. That's my, from my experience, that's what, that's what I've come across. That's why I think I, I can't, you know, the Ramah often does that. And, and I cannot, I cannot believe that he's actually interpreting the Shohan Rukh himself when he, when he does that. Thank you so much. Second. Yeah. Second question. Okay. Second one is, uh, uh, I don't know if it's good. In the Mishnah about the salted fish, I feel like the obvious reason why somebody is pouring on them is because they've been packed with salt to preserve them. You know, not this isn't a kind of amount of flavoring salt. It would be way too salty to eat. So of course, hot water will rinse it all the more. No, I want to get rid of it. No, I want to get rid of this the the preserved salt. Right, exactly, which makes it fit to eat. But before that, it would be maluach midai. Correct. It would like it would be bad. So. Uh, so I'm curious about the category of kalebishul and understanding why, why would a salted fish be more easy to cook? Like I feel like there's a there's a there's a more naturalistic explanation for that Mishnah. So the truth is, some interpret that based on makeba patish, and some want to say that mesh makeba patish baochalin, which we all the achonim reject. Um, but you can see, what, according to what, how you've explained, you can see where that's coming from. Right, you're like finishing off the food um, by taking away the salt. Um, 
so you are asked, so you're asking why is that called Kaliyah Bishul? Well, it's a, it's in the borrowed sense, in the sense that it's not just that you're getting rid of the salt, but because it's been preserved for so long in the salt, is this correct that it, now it's far easier for it to be cooked? True, it's getting rid of the salt, but leave that aside. Isn't it far easier now because it's been preserved with all this all these preservatives for so long, isn't, doesn't it now make it easier to cook? What if you were to like boil a pickle and boil a cucumber? Is a pickle really going to cook that much faster? I don't Perhaps have, I don't have a lot of experience in the kitchen, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> um, it's an interesting point. I, I think, I don't know. I think we have to check if, if salting something heavily makes it easier to, to cook or not. We have to check the science behind that. If it does, then we understand. Um, if not, then you have a good point. Um, well, thank you, thank you, you for your points. Couldn't you say that using the hot water to get rid of the salt is like cooking? Because if the salt is solid and the hot water melts it and washes it away, then by the Rambam's definition, that's a kind of bishul. It's not soft. Well, the Rambam's definition is a softening of it. It's not softening you. You're making it... No, the, 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 the solid salt is hard and then the hot water makes it soft and it washes away. Why is it hard? Because of the salt. The salt is hard, not the fish. Yeah, the but that's not, it's washing it away. It's not making it soft. It's not making the fish, it's washing it away. No, not the fish, the salt. Because the Rambam said that... You mean it's dissolving, it dissolving the salt, you mean? Yeah, dissolving the salt is bishul according to the Rambam's definition. And you're not, you're not then doing anything with the salt, so maybe that... Um, but even so, if melting wax is bishul, then melting salt will be bishul. No, that's not correct. That's not correct. I'm sorry, they're obviously not. That's not correct. Because salt, um, salt cannot cook, only on the fire itself. Salt's a special exemption. If you have a look at Shohan Aruch 31810, um, 3189, I mean. 3189. Um, salt would definitely not be, even on a Kirishon, which is off the fire, cannot cook. So definitely not by pouring it, uh, it won't, won't dissolve. So that, that can't be the explanation. Okay, great, everyone. Oh, hey, one second. So here we are, the Chabura. Salt per quart of water greatly reduces... Someone's uh, on, on mute again. So let's read that again. Um, salt per quart of water greatly reduces cooking time by replacing. Here we are. Great. Thank you, Google. Thank you, Sina, for that. Okay, so I think, Yona, that's answered your question then. Yeah, it's interesting. Very good. Hazako Baruch, everyone. Ah, Avi. I see it's Avi. Ah, there's two of the Chaburas. No, it was Sina. It was Sina. It was Sina. I, <laughs> I would love to take the credit, but. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, very good. Um, Sorry, uh, Danny. One quick question: Did you say a kliyushon off the fire can no longer no, cook? I never said that. I, mean, okay. I only said that in the context of salt. Salt. Shinyut with salt. Uh, everything else, salt is an exception. Lovely. See you all next week for our final show in this wonderful series. Lovely to see you. Thank you for the Habura for hosting this. And with Hashem, next week we'll continue and finish off. Thank Have you. A, Thank you very much. Nice Bye bye. Yeah.